Welcome to the Lion's Den with Seth, a podcast where progressive men and women can learn and teach each other the ways of the land. The Lion's Den is where royalty comes to counsel. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Seth. What's going on? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Lion's Den with Seth. I, I'm one of your hosts. Hopefully everything is going good with you. You're saving yourself, saving some money and getting ready for the holidays. Hopefully you ain't breaking your mind and breaking the bank, doing something that come around every year. Do something different. You know what I'm talking about? But listen, if this is your first time catching us, uh, make sure you tune in and just say, hey, this is where I'm from. We're enjoying the show or whatever. If you don't like it, whatever. Let us know, though. Right. Give us that feedback because we appreciate it. What's going on? What's going on? Slay hashtag Slay. That's what's up. What's up? What's up? How y'all feeling? How y'all feeling? All right. Look, y'all dig this. If you haven't done so already, make sure you go to StreamYard.com forward slash Facebook to join the conversation, right? Because we get it in. What's going on with Queens? What's going on over there? San Antonio. That's what's up. What's up? All right, y'all. We're about to get this ball rolling. Of course, couldn't do this without my crew, without the rest of the Lions. Right on. Yo, what's up, Will? How you feeling, bro? What's up, big dog? Another Sunday. We back here to have some great conversation. Talking about some very important stuff to help people get back refocused and realize that your your body your body is nothing without the mind. So I'll show you how those things go together. So I'm looking forward to the conversation, brother. How you doing, man? Slow motion, bro. Just trying not to go all the way crazy, but just a little bit, just a little bit. Keep keep me uh, balanced. You dig what I'm saying? So what's going on, Ronald? Appreciate you tuning in. And oh, another thing too. Want to shout out this brother? First time here. Hey. Stick around, brother. Make this is your new home. You understand what I'm saying? This is it. This is what we do. You feel me? Yo, Larry, Larry, what's the problem? What's the deal? Hey, man, it's a blessed day, man. Your boy just won a stack on FanDuel, so you know I'm excited. I'm feeling real. What, what, what's today. that? What's, what's that? Um, it's a betting site for the you know sports, man. If you into oh. the sports stuff, you know. Like, I spent two dollars and I won a grand. So I, you know, I'm really, you, you really you, you, you won right how now. much? How much a you win? A thousand dollars. A thousand was shut your mouth. You know what? Hey, man. You know, th- listen. This is why I keep a uh, the right individuals around me because you do things that I would never <laughs> do. I work to make money. I can't play to throw it away. But <laughs> now, bro. Hey, bless you. Right on. <laughs> bless you. I appreciate you. Last but not least, oh. Big Herm. What's popping, dog? Yo, man, man, wanted a thousand dollars off a two dollar bet off a two dollars. Swear to God, yo, hey, y'all know I'm in Facebook jail, so I can't share with my my regular folks or whatnot. But I'm still here. Want to give a shout out to uh Pat, my family, Patrick Young over there in Kansas City, watching. What it is, me, man. I got a new truck. Oh yeah, uh, I got a new truck, man. I got rid of the Chevy, man. Hey, hold on, wait. Uh, <laughs> That's cold, man. Y'all look, hold on. Hey, hold on. Wait, before you say something, I'm gonna let the world know. Y'all, when he got this truck, I could feel that it was about to break down in the next 15 minutes. Now he just loved it. It looked right on. I appreciate the fact that you love the truck. I said, like, hey man, you need to go and get a ram. No, man, no. Boom. He drove off. Hey man, I should have been stopped in the middle of the road. Did it really? Hey, read again. <laughs> hey, so. Needless to say, we didn't have this conversation a few times. What kind of truck you get, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Don't have like to say it was a truck. 
Wait, wait, hold on. Wait. Wait. Hey, hey, hey. What you get? Oh, man. It's a Dodge Ram. Right on. God bless you. All right. <laughs> but no, no, that's good, though. But how you like it, though, man? Man, um, it still don't feel like my. I guess I got to wait till the first car payment to come out, then it'll feel like mine. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm driving around somebody else's truck for now, but it's cool, bro. You know what I mean? Hey, but you know what, though? Hey, it's better to, to wait for the next. Uh, car payment than the next fixer up in the car. You know what I'm saying? Next tow truck coming to get my truck. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Hey, so look. Anyway, man, why don't you uh introduce our guest, man? Man, hey, so you know, on this show, we always trying to bring an expert in front of you guys to uh speak to you from a uh, expert's point of view. So we we got a good friend of mine, uh, Doctor Alden Taylor. He's coming on to talk to us about physical fitness. And also how that connects to your mental and everything, man. Now you wouldn't have known when back in the day, seeing how little he was. You know what I'm saying? Wait, wait, hold on, wait, grow, wait. What you he was gonna grow up and to be this monster, man, and know all about fitness the way that he does, man? Because it's just like snap the finger and he man and came out. You know what I mean? So right on. I want y'all to give a warm welcome to Doctor Alden Taylor. Right on. Give it up. Give it up. Yo, hey Doc, check this out. Did you hear what he said? He said, "Hey, look, you would never know how 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 little little he was." So, how small were you back in the day, brother? Listen, man, junior year, uh, right at the beginning of junior year, I was five foot three and about a hundred and ten pounds sopping wet. Wow, man. Mm. I'm trying to tell you, man. So what happened? I mean, you just said the hell with the Wheaties. You just like I'm done. What the drinking raw eggs? I grew six inches. Um, so yeah, I grew six inches my junior year, and then my senior year, I grew an additional three, and then I grew another one inch my my freshman year of college. So Yo, wow, you know how most people dunk when they're able to dunk, they dunking in high school. Yeah, this man started dunking in his mid twenties. Where's the mid Wow. Well, listen, brother. Look, we want to thank you for being on, oh, man. Welcome to the Lions Den. Uh, it's, it's so great to have you here, man. So, look, we want to give you the floor, right? Talk about yourself. Just tell us a little bit about Doctor Taylor. Uh, so you know, being a, a, a former small guy, uh, definitely <laughs> had a chip on my shoulder the entire time. So. I kind of came at everything like I had something to prove, uh, prove to myself and prove to everybody else. So I, I really pushed the uh, uh, I really pushed the needle when it came to my profession. Uh, so I am a physical therapist. I got my doctor of physical therapy from the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga uh, in 2007. And then I practiced in Nashville, Tennessee uh, for a couple of years before I joined the Air Force. And when I joined the Air Force, uh, the Air Force has, has offered me some opportunities to get a lot, a lot of things done and further my career. So uh, once I got in the Air Force, I practiced in the Air Force for a couple of years, and then I got an opportunity to uh, get another doctorate. Uh, so I got a doctorate, mm -hmm. a doctor of science, which is a PhD equivalent uh, in orthopedic physical therapy. Uh, I also am double board certified in sports physical therapy and orthopedics. I am a certified strength and conditioning specialist. Uh, and then I also completed a fellowship uh, in the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists. So I'm a manual physical therapist by trade. So I fix things with my Damn. 
Yo, hey, listen, look, shout out to you and all that learning. Listen, the reason why I say that is because when uh, when you finished your bio, I saw his name, ladies and gentlemen. I saw his name, boom. And all of a sudden, I seen all these extra letters and commas and everything. I'm like, what, this, what is this? All these acronyms. <laughs> like, bro, only thing I know was the MD part, and then it was... A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, H, Like, yo, but congratulations, man. Look, we do appreciate that. But go ahead, Big Herm. Hey, so first things first, I want to talk about physical therapy in, in the military, in the Air Force in particular. Um, and what are the common things that you see uh, when it comes to your patients uh, as far as you know they're not doing it? I, I'm going to give you an example. Me, when I went to physical therapy, I don't know what it was, my hard head, hard-headedisms or something, but I just really didn't want to do the program. You know what I mean? They tell me, hey, you don't lift no weights. You just lift these rubber bands for a while. I'm like, I'm going right back to shoulder pressing, man. I ain't about to lift these little rubber bands. And I don't think I'm, I don't think my shoulder ever really re- recovered all the way because of that. Can you give some insight into, into that kind of uh, frame of thinking? Absolutely. So being in this career field, one of the most important things that we have as providers uh, is a tool called prognostication. Um, So prognostication is the use of research in the past that tells us uh, exactly how far along somebody should be based upon the injury that they have. So if somebody has a shoulder injury or a back injury or a neck injury, we have research that tells us where they should be within four weeks, six weeks, three months, six months, a year out, so on and so forth. So if you are supposedly doing what you're supposed to be doing, Uh, and you're not getting better, either one of two things is happening. Either number one, uh, we have the wrong diagnosis and you actually have something else, or number two, you actually have a concurrent diagnosis that we haven't figured out yet. But if you just flat out haven't been doing what you're supposed to be doing, uh, it it shows when you come back for your reassessment. Mm. Okay. That's what's up. Awesome response, Dr. Taylor, but I want to talk about how PCMs, your primary care doctors in the military, are quick to send you to physical therapy without fully assessing the injury. And they expect you to go through physical therapy thinking that you just have a small issue, but you have a major issue and you could be making it worse. So what is your viewpoint on actually diagnosing the issue, doing the MRIs and not just x-rays to really get to the foundation as to what's wrong and why this patient's in your office? So I feel like that's a really important thing to discuss, right? Because with the general population, they have a feeling or a sensation that um, the end-all be-all is the MRI or the CAT scan or some diagnostic image. Um, what, we ha- what we have is very, very strong evidence that um, what we have called executive medicine, um, when patients get access to these images super early, that is actually detrimental to their care. Um, The reason why that is, is because they start to focus or perseverate on that particular thing that they saw in the imaging. Uh, And the reason why that's a bad thing is because we've done studies where where we've taken a lot of healthy individuals with no symptoms whatsoever, and we've MRI'd all of them. And what we found is anywhere between 60 to 80 plus percent of those individuals will have some anomalies found within their scans. So what does that mean? That means that just because you see something in an MRI or a CAT scan does not necessarily mean that it's the source of your symptoms. So when we send people to MRIs and CAT scans and and 
things that uh, things of that nature early, uh, what it can do is it can cause uh, the patient and the provider to become biased and focus on something that may have nothing to do with their care. Mm. Mm. So when it comes to PCMs, forwarding patients to physical therapists early, that's actually a very evidence-based decision. PCMs are not trained uh, to be experts in neuromusculoskeletal care. Uh, that's the physical therapist's job. As a matter of fact, we've got a lot of research. Again, I'll be, be pointing back to a lot of research throughout this, but there's a lot of research that indicates that there's nobody in the medical profession that deals with the neuromusculoskeletal system better than a physical therapist. So wow. that's actually a very, very uh, evidence-based decision uh, to send the patient to the physical therapist. Now, it's also on the physical therapist to understand the patient's problem and correctly treat that problem. And if there's also something that the patient has going on that's outside of our wheelhouse, we're also supposed to refer that patient back uh, to get uh, additional care. Um, but that is definitely the right choice uh, based upon what we have as far as research so far. Hey, time out, time out real quick. I know you got a lot of letters behind your name and everything, but what is, was it? Pres what did he say? Perseverance? Hold on. Listen. No. Listen. What does that mean? <laughs> I haven't heard that word before. I thought he was talking preserves. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Strawberry preserves or something. I don't know what he's talking about. See, look, that's the difference. See, that's why you were services and he wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> But go ahead, Doc. What was that? What was that term again? Perseverate. Uh, write, that write that down in your book, sir. We had that. Man, sure. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Larry. <laughs> Dr. Taylor, appreciate you and your time, sir. I got a question for you. When it comes to members, I don't care if it's you know military members or it's civilian members, what have you. You know, a lot of times when we get referred to physical therapists, it's, it's based upon the doctor. But what if me knowing? my body knowing how i operate the doctor's not seeing it but i'm saying like hey i need some type of physical therapy occupational therapy speech therapy whatever it is whatever type of therapy it is what do you say to individuals that feel like they need to be pushing their doctors more and saying hey i think i need some physical therapy over here because this ain't working the, the pills the prescriptions and stuff that's not me i want to be physically you know i want to be physically fit or physically formed to, to to perform you know as an individual versus the prescriptions so I think it's a really important thing for people to have a strong understanding of what the role is of medications. Um, so in general, looking at uh, inflammatory conditions uh, where the body is producing an inflammatory response to some damage that's occurred, the medications that they give you essentially stunt uh, the inflammatory process. Now, in some cases, that's really, really good because that'll allow the patient to move on to the next level of recovery. Um, but at other times, it kind of stunts the recovery phase or the healing process. Um, also, understand that pain medications or muscle relaxants, um, so pain medications are just there to reduce the amount of pain that you're going through. That doesn't actually fix the problem. Um, and then also, muscle relaxers. Muscle relaxers are just central nervous system depressants. So they lower the body, uh, the central nervous system's ability to perceive certain things. So in essence, what those medications are, they're a bridge to get a patient beyond the um, severely irritable phase to the point to where their bodies are recovering. So 
the medications don't actually help you heal. They just help you get over it, right? So if you're hoping that medications are gonna take you all the way there, it's sort of the equivalent of bashing out your check engine light and hoping that everything's gonna be okay in the case of Herm's truck. It got to get a damn ram. It's it's a similar situation. You go out of the road if you keep relying upon those tools. So uh, the other thing that I would say is in the military specifically, um, all active duty military members have direct access to their physical therapist. So they can literally walk into the hospital, go straight to the PT clinic and set up a, set up an appointment. What? So wait, 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 hold on. Man, hold on. Listen, listen, look, when I come down the stairs, my knees sounded like uh, rice crispy treats. So you telling me this whole time I could have just just walked up in there and say, hey, this ain't right. I thought we had to get referred. Yeah. So if you are an active duty service member, you do not have to get referred. Lord have mercy, man. I done they, they need to put that into a formulated email. Hey, they need to put that in basic. You dig what I'm saying? So if you're active duty, all you have to do is just call the clinic and you can set up an appointment. Um, mm. So and, and in terms of um, civilians, if you're a civilian, there are several states, you should check your state's bylaws, but there are several states that allow direct access to physical therapists as well, where you don't require a PCM to refer you to the physical therapist. Now, a lot of those states require that within a certain period of time, you notify the PCM and you go back to the PCM to uh, to relay that information so that they, they can make sure that everything is on the up and up and things are going well. However, there are a lot of states that allow um, patients to directly access physical therapy as well dope dope yo okay well look hey thanks for that look didn't even know that hey see listen those of y'all see, see, that, hey, that's why we get the smart folks on the lions then you know what i'm talking about because look you're walking around thinking thinking that you know everything and and, and your back hurting <laughs> you said right there. Recuperate that, yeah you know what i'm talking about and 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 your, your, your toes are percolating don't know why you know what i'm talking about but look got this question all right, from Ms. Hemingway, she says, Doctor, please discuss the importance of prevention as well as getting and staying healthy in general. Can you do that? Um, absolutely. So as we get a little bit older, it's a very common situation where people get to a certain age and then all of a sudden they feel like everything starts to fall apart. Um, and that's when you reached uh, your what's called your functional threshold. As long as you're functioning above your functional threshold, uh, usually your body is able to stay healthy and strong. However, as soon as you break down below that functional threshold, that's when problems start to kick up and arise. And, and it seems like you keep stumbling problem over problem over problem. Um, your shoulder hurts, and then all of a sudden your elbow hurts, and all of a sudden your neck hurts, and then your back hurts, and then you know, uh, your knees start hurting and it feels like you're quote unquote falling apart. But that's the importance of prevention um, in regards to that. As long as you're staying healthy, um, as long as you're eating the proper foods and the right ratios and you're working out and, you know, you're, you're keeping your heart in shape by doing cardiovascular work. Uh, when you do all those things, you can stay very, very healthy for a very long period of time. Uh, so we actually have people uh, that are over 100 years old that can actually finish a marathon. So um, there's really no excuse when it comes to uh, overall fitness into senescence or when you're getting a little bit older. So mm. 
um, it's really, really important that you that you keep it uh, a daily ritual for yourself to get some sort of physical activity in. And it's also becoming very, very difficult uh, in America nowadays to get proper nutrition. Um, mm. So it seems like there's a Popeyes or a, a Burger King or everywhere, everywhere. Um, and people are getting busier and busier, uh, especially when you have kids or you know, you're having to take on a second job and you're, you're doing all these different things, it becomes very, very difficult to keep an eye on your nutrition. Mm. Um, so that is probably one of the biggest things that's plaguing America today is their nutritional intake. Because if the grocery store has a health food aisle, then what are all the other aisles? Wow. See? And what do they place those items on those shelves on what you see first in associated price tags? So, yes, that's a very, very important thing, especially with inflation nowadays. A bag of grapes is like seven or eight bucks. Right. Hey, yeah, look, y'all remember back in the day used to talk about, look, I don't want to get nothing from Hawaii because, the, you know, a loaf of bread is like five dollars. What you think it is at Walmart right now? You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. It's bad. Um, and probably the other thing about nutrition that I would really want to hit on is um, just look at the ingredients list on the side of the box, whatever it is that you're buying, if it looks like a chemistry test, you kind of have to ask yourself, do those chemicals belong in your system? Because a lot of those chemicals are preservatives. And if preservatives are designed to extend the shelf life of food, what do you think that it does when it enters your body? Stay there. <laughs> Ew, that's so nasty. Well, listen, hold on, brother. Damn it. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, hey, look, while I'm sitting here sipping this uh, watered down iced tea, if you will, we <laughs> get it in. Hey, but listen, if y'all haven't done so already, please share this, share this information. Y'all, this is super, super dope. All right. And our health, our health, our mental health and everything matters. But you have to take care of you. You feel me? But look, uh, doctor, I do got a question. All right. And this goes in line with the, the common myths. So your physical therapy will tell you to stop doing what you love to do. Do you think that that's a reason why individuals hate going to physical therapists? So I think that we all have this interview of ourselves um, where we function on a particular level. I know Herm still feels like he's in high school and he can still, you know, play ball. And he can't, he can't Lord he, have mercy. He, he, but go ahead. he can still yeah. play ball, but you know, we all have this interview of what we think that our body should be able to do. And then when somebody comes along and tells you, at least for a temporary period of time, you have to back off of those things. Um, you know, even positive things can become addicting, right? So, you know, going to the gym is a very positive thing for you, but for a lot of people, it's very addictive. Um, the endorphin rush that you get after you work out really, really hard, and you know, the the sense of pride that you have in, in being able to maintain a, a, a good physical fitness uh, level, you know, those things are, are very, very near and dear to people's hearts. And when you tell them that they have to back off of those things for a little while, it it, it hurts them in more ways than physical. Right. So they, they have a lot of emotional attachment to those things. But physical therapists, by no stretch of the imagination, want to take things away from patients. They just want to be able to get patients back to being able to do what they want to do. So I might have to temporarily take the gym away from you and have you work out with some resistance bands, Herm. Um, as opposed to doing those shoulder presses uh, in order to bridge the gap to get you back to doing what you need to do. Because if you start working out too early in the presence of pain or in the presence of, of 
dysfunction, uh, what that's going to do is that's going to build your pyramid upside down and it's mm. gonna be toppling over. So you have to build the pyramid with the proper base. So when you get injured and you have issues going on, we have to fix those issues first. Then we can get you back to the gym. Now, in some very rare cases, if something happens, like if you get into a car accident or, you know, you get some internal derangement or what we call damage uh, into the joint itself, and it's not recommended for you to do impact related activities anymore, that would be one of the rare instances where a physical therapist, as well as all the other medical providers will tell you, it's probably not a good idea that you continue with your marathons on concrete if you've got this damage going on in your knees. Mm. Maybe a better idea for you to adjust course and, and take on a different hobby that can still give you the same kind of um, benefits, but just doesn't apply the impact. So um, some rare cases, that's the case. Mm, wow 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 okay oh man so listen ladies and gentlemen like i said this is this is a lot of great 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 information yo big uh uh, uh shit, i was getting ready to say her <laughs> no hey <laughs> hey will you, sir? yeah man go ahead say what i said what you over there drinking again bro none with no ice. But anyway, go ahead, brother. Go ahead. What you got before our break? Uh, pretty much, doctor, I want you to be able to touch on the importance of your gut health. I was looking at something this morning, and it talks about preservatives and what that does to your stomach's ability to break food down and what that does to your body holistically. So if you can, kind of talk about that balance of staying away from preservative, but also the benefit to your gut health. So gut health is a... Uh a very, very intriguing uh, field that we've been delving into lately within the scientific community. Uh, we've actually found out that there are bacteria in your gut that can actually send signals to your brain. So, for example, when you get late night cravings for sugar, uh, those late night cravings can actually be triggered not by your own brain, but actually by the uh, the bacteria within your gut. So you start taking about, uh, excuse me, you start talking about the hijack, right? That, that can happen. The bacteria that's actually in your gut can actually send signals to your brain. So it's kind of like the second brain. Uh, they call the, they call the, the gut, the, the second brain. So see, I'm yeah. glad you said that. Cause see, when I wake up and, 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 and I want to get a, a damn cookie, see, I really don't want to get the damn cookie. You see something say, get the cookie and it ain't me. I'm glad I got you a said big that. second brain too, man. So you I, said what? I got a big second brain too. I'll be out there. <laughs> Mine wants steak in the middle of the night. You Bro, know, what hey, I mean? hey, what did hey, we say? Uh, steak and oxtail. Yeah. <laughs> so go ahead, Doc. Uh, so yeah, it's it's very very important, and it's all based upon what you feed uh, the the bacteria. So you know, if you are consistently you know in your regular regimen or schedule eating candy on a regular basis. What that's doing is that's feeding the bacteria in your gut that grows from the sugar, the processed sugar. So then that bacteria technically gets stronger, right? And you start to get an imbalance. But um, when you don't eat those foods with processed sugar in them, then those bacteria begin to diminish in population. So they get smaller. So you know, in terms of where you're at, sometimes what it takes is it takes a purge, like your body has to go through a purge in order to regulate the, um, the bacteria that's in your gut. Um, so 
The same thing is said with meat, right? So there's certain there's certain bacteria in your gut that's designed to break down meat. Um, but to the people that eat meat um, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, you know that particular amount of uh, bacteria within your gut uh, will begin to grow. And if that bacteria is designed to break down meat, what do you think you're made out of? Ooh. Hold so, on. That's it. Damn. You know, Ooh. it's all about balance. You know, if you, it, I'm not saying that people should swear off meat and that nobody should eat meat ever. I'm not saying that. But everything in moderation. Right? Wow. Wow, Doc. Hold on, man. You know what? I don't think, listen, we didn't took a whole nother turn. You dig? But I, I do appreciate it. So it's, it's giving me some things to think about. Ladies and gentlemen, if this too is giving you something to think about, please make sure you comment and everything. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're here with Dr. Taylor getting it in. We're talking about being physically ready. Don't go anywhere. Now, if you check out the chat, I put a link there. If you got some time, give us a review. Let us know what you think. If the show is moving the way you like it to move and, and if we, we're, we're hitting the uh, the good points, please let us know. We would not be here if it wasn't for you. We will be right back. Monique Slater is a top negotiating award-winning real estate agent in San Antonio, Texas. Her focus is on educating and empowering individuals on building general wealth through home ownership while providing exponential service with integrity and excellence. Although her heart is for serving first-time homeowners and the military community, her clientele ranges from $100,000 to $2.5 million. Monique has developed an awesome team that can get anyone into a home and has sold homes in less than six hours. After servicing the Air Force for over 28 years, retired Chief Slater has a massive network so she can connect you with an awesome agent anywhere in the U.S. And if you're in San Antonio or relocating there, give Monique a call first to help you find your dream home. Give Monique a call at 210-237-7268. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Seth with the Lion's Den. Are you or someone you know looking for a tool to help them be more accountable? Check out the Black Collar Mindset, the art of strategic thinking. It's a manual to help maneuver through life strategically by holding yourself accountable every step of the way. Go to theblackcollarmindset.com to grab your copy today. Again, the website is theblackcollarmindset.com. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Let's get it together. One thing we can cherish during these times is family dinners. Think about it. The nice, succulent southern fried chicken, baked beans cooked to perfection, creamy macaroni and cheese, cornbread, you get the point. Come check out Kevlar's Grill, where all the meals are cooked with perfection, professionalism, and love. Located outside the Scott Air Force Base back gate inside the VFW is where you can find them. Also, they have military discount for all of our serving members. Give them a call. Their number is 618-416-5700. And that's inside Scott VFW Post 4183 and they also have Grubhub. Call them now and tell them that the Lions Den sent you. Yo, welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Lions Den, fellas. Yo, what y'all think about this show so far, bro? So far, informal as always. 
<laughs> with them gems that we don't really think about and consider. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, what was interesting to me is that I never knew in 21 years, made it to senior NCO ranks and everything, that I can just really walk down to the physical therapist and make my own appointment. Yeah. You yeah. Know, that's pretty wild right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what you think, bro? I think it's important to touch on the things that we don't get a chance to see. We see so much misinformation across social media to get it from an expert should hit home a little bit closer because you got somebody telling you from experience and not from hearsay. Mm -hmm. So I think it's value added for us to have these types of conversations, especially about the gut and how important that is and how it plays a part in your health. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, we back with Dr. Taylor up in the building, y'all. Hey, listen, y'all check it out. Hey, y'all, he's here to help us make sure we go into the new year a little bit better. And so, you know, the, if you got the, uh, your check engine light on, you know, what I'm talking about it and, and, and your knees, ain't, right? Look, go get them checked on now, right? Get them, get them situated. Hey, Big Larry, what you got, man? Yes, sir. My question, Dr. Teller, for you is uh, we're talking about technology now. And I want to know what advancements in technologies has helped your profession as far as being able to quickly analyze and maybe redesign, you know, the physical therapy world to uh, help, you know, individuals recover more quickly than the old age adages of doing things. So within uh, the field of physical therapy and, and human performance overall, that's where a lot of the advancements in technology have been made. So, you know, when you look at things like uh, blood flow restriction devices, where uh, we put a device on your limb and it restricts the amount of blood that can go to that limb, you can actually get a really solid workout with very little resistance. Uh, so what we've been trying to utilize that for specifically is for things like um, our special operations members, uh, our special operators have a very, very heavy rotation of training that they have to do when they're not deployed. So they're always uh, moving about the country, getting training in different areas of the country, uh, as well as internationally. So they don't always have access to a gym consistently. So what a blood flow, uh, a, a blood flow restriction device would do is it would allow those members to work out essentially in their hotel rooms uh, with bands and still get uh, almost the same type of returns that they would get in the gym. Um, so that's one particular example of how technology has pushed us forward. But now we also have further advancements with uh, different monitoring devices uh, like Jupes or even the Apple Watch. Um, you know, it can measure uh, your your heart rate. It can measure your uh, your pulse oximetry uh, symmetry or how much oxygen is uh, flowing through your your veins. At any given time, um, it can look at how many calories you're burning, how far you're running. So, you know, now technology in the form of wearables, like wearable technology is allowing us to monitor our folks. Uh, we can even monitor stress levels and we can see whether or not you're getting enough sleep. Um, and we can see we can track your nutrition a little bit better. So all of these different things are, are tools that we can add to our tool belt to help us. Uh, you know, monitor exactly what your situation is so that we can help you as best as we can. Mm. But I don't want to allow that uh, to take away from what should be the focus, which is the skill set of the provider. 
the provider should have tools within their own tool belt to be able to um, treat patients with more uh, with more efficiency. So all too often we have providers that you know graduate with their degree and then they stop. Mm. And then they just continue to go to a continuing education course here and there. And, you know, they might read a journal here and there, but that's about it. Uh, in order that there's a reason why we call it practice, because it's a continual process. We should never get comfortable. We should always be pushing and striving to learn more, to be able to treat our patients more effectively. So, you know, my my charge to all the providers out there are just keep learning. You know what, doctor, I'm glad you said that because real talk, low key, it seemed like some of those uh, my doctors were practicing on me. You feel me? <laughs> and just yeah, just just not doing it right. But you said something I want to tie into. And this is from one of our viewers. She said, he, said, he or she says, um, how are you influencing others to take more holistic approach to health versus treating symptoms? So I feel like that's a very, very important thing. And when people get uh, stovepiped into treating specifically what their uh, specialty is, it can become detrimental to the patient overall. Um, when you're an orthopod or an orthopedist and you're, all you're focused on are the orthopedic issues with that patient, or if you're a podiatrist, or if you're uh, a cardiothoracic surgeon or a neurosurgeon or whatever the case may be, if we are solely focused on how we've been trained uh, to treat patients, uh, then that can serve as a to a detriment of the patient. Um, so the same thing can be said of any profession, right? Like if you ask an electrician how they can help you, they're going to tell you what they can fix. If you ask a plumber how they can help you, they're going to tell you what they can fix, right? Um, but to have at least the uh, awareness uh, of other issues that could be affecting the patient's symptomology uh, and being able to refer patients to those particular specialists that can deal with those issues. That is a very, very key thing to have um, in your back pocket that can really help patients. So for me specifically, what I try to do is I try to talk to patients about everything. Mm -hmm. I try to talk to them about their nutrition. I try to talk to them about their overall activity level. Um, I try to ask them questions that might uh, delve into whether or not their endocrine or their hormonal systems are starting to affect their overall day to day. So and the same thing with rheumatology, um, you know, if they if, if they start to exhibit symptoms that are consistent with a rheumatologic um, condition, uh, then I'll refer them to a rheumatologist as well. So, OK, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. All right. So. <clears throat> Just because Herm probably missed the whole last sentence of that, right? Now, what's the, spe <laughs> the specialty? I'm a rheumatologist. Hey, I just wanted to make sure you was tracking. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what the rheumatology do. What do they do? <laughs> so, you know, a rheumatologist is going to deal with things like rheumatoid arthritis or oh. different conditions um, that are specific to the field of rheumatology. So, um, you know, most of us don't really have those particular issues, um, but every once in a while you will see a patient that starts to exhibit um, some symptoms that are consistent with a rheumatologic condition. Um, mm. But again, that's probably the biggest thing that I wanted to touch on in regards to the differences between an active duty physical therapist and a civilian physical therapist. Mm -hmm. uh, an active duty physical therapist can actually refer patients uh, to specialists. Uh, an active duty physical therapist can prescribe certain medications. 
Um, an active duty physical therapist can also order imaging. So we can order CAT scans, MRIs, so on and so forth. So uh, civilian physical therapists cannot do those things. And, you know, military physical therapists have been able to do those particular things for decades, uh, all the way back to the 60s and 70s. We've been doing those things. Um, it's just the civilian sector has been a little slow to expand the role of a physical therapist. Wow. Imagine that. Go ahead, Big Herm. <laughs> you kind of got right into uh, my, my next question. But first and foremost, uh, no, here you talk about this subject and everything. It's like no question that's come at you so far. You haven't had an answer for it. Um, it's like you were made you were made to be this person, you know, what I mean, made to be a physical therapist and you just really found what you was born to do. So so my question to you is I, I should have asked you this first. What made you pick physical therapy when you when um, you decided to go to college? What made you pick this career field? And then also you talked a little bit about, you know, uh, the difference between civilians and military. But you did start off as a civilian uh, physical PT at first. Tell me a little bit more in-depth differences that you've seen as far as civilian PTs and military PTs. Um, so in the beginning, um, you know, I actually chose to be a physical therapist in high school. Uh, so it was before I even got to college. It's like all the Korean black dudes did that, though. Say what? All the Korean black dudes in my city did that. Dwayne, TJ, Tony Johnson. And what happened to you? Tony Johnson? No, he ain't no PT. Like, what you do? I'm thugging and bugging, man. Man, shut up. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Thugging and bugging in the kitchen. So, um, you know, way back in the day, um, you know, I was uh, I was an athlete, even though I was smaller. Uh, I was on the track team. I was on the cross country team. Um, and whenever one of my teammates got injured, uh, I would always be intrigued as to how we could get them back um, because I had a strong sense of uh, family uh, and teamwork. Um, so, you know, that's what got me into it initially. And you know, there were, there was a physical therapist that would be at a couple of the sporting events and I would just kind of tag along and uh, try to figure out exactly what he was doing because, you know, it seemed like it was right up my alley. Um, So, you know, that sense of, of, uh, that sense of family, that sense of um, trying to help people out and make sure that, that people were, uh, you know, getting back to doing all the things that they were doing. uh, That was something that I took a lot of pride in. So, from a very, very early stage, I knew that this was what I wanted to do. So I specifically chose the University of Tennessee uh, at Chattanooga as the university that I went to um, because they had a very strong physical therapy program. Um, so that's the only place that I put in um, you know, a letter uh, to try to go to that particular university. So um, I was very, very focused from a very early age. Oh, well, there you go. Hey, Big Will, what you got, bro? A lot of appreciation for Dr. Taylor, brother. Um, definitely commend you on what you're doing, not just for yourself, but the, the perception that you're putting out there for other people to follow suit and not think that you can't get to this particular field. So kudos to you, brother. Um, a couple things I want you to engage on. One is speaking about high fructose syrups and sugars and how that contributes to some of those cravings as you discussed earlier. And the other part of that is, is how some military members don't come to you because the high fear of MEBs 
And that's why they keep taking this damn motor and these doctors keep giving us while we don't come see y'all all the time. So let, so let me get your take on that. So absolutely. Um, you know, uh, in regards to the sugar question, um, so the pancreas was designed to only deal with so much sugar on a regular basis, right? So depending upon the study you look at, um, the amount of sugar that your body can deal with your, or your pancreas can deal with on a daily basis is about 21 grams of sugar. Um, so if you exceed that amount, then your body doesn't know what to do with it. So your body starts to store it in different places in your body uh, to try to figure out what to do with it. Now, if you think about it, 21 grams of sugar is not a lot. You will exceed 21 grams of sugar if you just eat a bag of Skittles. Mm. Right. And that's just the Skittles. That's not talking about where else you're getting sugar from throughout the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're a late night snacker and you like Twix and you like Twinkies and Ho-Hos and, you know, all these other different things, um, you know, you're going to run into a problem where your pancreas does not know what to do with the rest of the sugar that you're putting in your body. Mm. So over time, what you'll start to get up, uh, get is a buildup of excess fat or adipose tissue. Uh, throughout your system. Um, and then that leads to all sorts of other things. And again, the health of the pancreas is directly related to how you treat it. If you continue to abuse it and, you know, uh, indulge in excess, then eventually the efficiency of your pancreas is going to start to deteriorate. So, you know, being very, very aware of what your limits are, what the limits of the human body are, and, you know, adjusting your intake accordingly uh, is a very very important thing. Um, now, what was that second question? I'm sorry, I, I... he was talking about the motions. No, pretty, pretty much, why military members oh. don't come to the doctor because of the MEB fear on what could possibly happen. Why they keep taking all this damn motion instead? And don't forget, a lot of that motion is prescribed to us too. You get what I'm saying? So, right. but go ahead, Doc. Um, so the other thing, it, it, it depends on what their job is, right? So there are some people that really don't mind coming to the physical therapist and trying to figure things out, especially with this younger generation. Um, this younger generation is all about the why. So they want to know why they're doing whatever they're doing. They want to know why they're feeling what they're feeling. Uh, and that's very, very important to them. So there are generational differences. Uh, but the generation uh, that you guys come from or that I come from, um, especially within certain career fields, were very hesitant uh, to come to the doctor. Um, you know, because they didn't want to get MEB'd or they didn't want to get taken off status. Being on status is a, another really important thing as well, because if you're on jump status, flight status, dive pay, like all these things actually pay you extra uh, on a monthly basis uh, to be up on status. And if you come to a physical therapist or you come to another medical health care provider and they they give you a particular diagnosis that can temporarily take you off status and actually take money out of your pocket. Mm. So that's also another incentivized reason as to why people, certain individuals within the military don't access their health care, which is a bad thing. You know, so, you know, there's a reason why pilots uh, have a certain stigma about going to going to the doctor. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's that's a really important thing. So we need to try to remove uh, these incentives for people to not access uh, good health care. Damn. Yo, OK. Look, I didn't even think about that. Right. I didn't even think about that. It makes sense though, because if you're 
influencing the, my lack of money, you get what I'm saying, or something that can impede in that, I might be, you know, more reluctant to go and get seen. Well, look, um, just to switch a little bit, before we got, uh, before we came live, you said something about your wife. She's in the fitness too, which is super dope. So explain to us and the rest of our uh, audience and rest of the family, how important is it to have that support system, especially while dealing and working around health? Um, so I think that's a vital thing. Um, I don't think any successful man is going to sit, sit there and say that their family didn't have everything to do with their overall success. Um, my wife, uh, uh, Ebony Nicole Taylor, she is uh, everything for me. She she supports me in the way that I need to be supported. Uh, she um, takes a primary role in raising our children. Um, and, you know, we have particular values uh, that we try to attribute to our family. And, and physical fitness is one of the primary uh, things that we try to push um, because we, we feel like it affects so many different things, including uh, how you're able to deal with stress and, you know, different trials and tribulations. Um, you know, to be able to have an outlet of physical fitness, something that's very, very vital. So, you know, I will specifically set aside time where, you know, I cover the household so she can go work out and vice versa. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing to have somebody that's so supportive. Yo, that's dope. Listen, I'm going to give you a special. Damn right. That's what I'm talking about. All y'all back in there, they ain't getting it together. You better help a brother out. You know what I'm talking about? Trying to get it together. Yeah, shots fired, damn it. Hey, go ahead, Big Larry. What you got, man? What's your final question? Hey, my final question for you, Dr. Taylor, is um, I'm, I'm big into stories, wild stories, right? So in your profession, I want to know a case or cases that stuck out to you where you've seen a major transformation of an individual or you've seen something where you like it was probably was very slim hope. And then miraculously, this individual just did a whole 180 on you. You know, do you mind sharing a story or a case that you've seen over your profession that motivates you to continue to, to let you know that this is the right profession for me? So, um to figure out how to say this without bragging um <laughs> if you're good at what you do you see those all the time oh you know what bomb for that that's right <laughs> hey that's the thing that ain't bragging it's being real bro hey sometimes you got to flex just a little bit you know what i'm talking about you got all the letters for a reason Go ahead. For the light skin baby but in essence you know when you when you train as, as, as much as I have and you, you've reached um, kind of the pinnacle of training, um, people give you the trouble cases. Uh, they give you the broken toys. So, you know, it's typically my job to get those people that are that have a lot of issues going on um, and to kind of fix the Rubik's Cube and get them back on to whatever they were doing. So, um but there are a couple of cases that kind of come out that stick out to me that, um, you know, um, are really kind of key examples for me. Um, and I'll try to say this, you know, obviously not not divulging any HIPAA information, but, um, you know, probably one of the ones that sticks out to me the most is a special operator that I was uh, able to treat uh, or had the privilege of treating. 
Um, you know, he suffered a, a GSW or a gunshot wound while he was deployed, uh, you know, protecting our country. Um, so, you know, he took a um, he took a round to the shoulder and it bounced around inside of his his uh, body cavity. Um, it punctured one of his lungs and, you know, it, it damaged a lot of muscles um, and he was able to recover from that. You know, um, when he came um, when he came to see me, he still had some issues. Uh, he was still functional. He was still doing pretty well, but he, he had a little bit, a couple of limitations. And we were able to um, kind of optimize the situation and get him back to doing the things that he loved to do. So, you know, he's back to doing combatives and, you know, he's, he's back to representing uh, the way that he would like to. So, you know, that's oh. one of the examples that, I, that I'm proud of. That's dope, man. That's super dope. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, look, uh, I got a brother down here that says something. I, I'm sure you know him. Okay. <laughs> you dig what I'm saying? So, hey, look, like work, like work. All right. Hey, Big Will, what you got, man? Your final word, question. Final word, Doc. You mentioned you guys have kids. So, we can't dictate what our kids, our teenagers, what they eat at school. What can we do as parents to kind of guide them towards the healthier side of living? Because when they're not with us, we don't dictate so much what they eat. So what type of tactics can we utilize to kind of influence them to live a better lifestyle and the benefits of such? So it, it all starts it all starts at home. Right. Um, I get it. I understand people are busy. They have a lot of things going on. Uh, sometimes it can be very difficult to find time to prepare um, the food. Uh, for the children. However, they don't listen to what we say. They listen to what we do. So when you take the opportunity, every opportunity to avoid the fast food aisle or, you know, lane and, and taking them to go burger to Burger King or McDonald's or Whataburger or whatever it is, uh, and you're taking the time to take them home and giving them a home cooked meal and making sure that the ingredients that are in those foods uh, are good for them, uh, they'll they'll learn to expect those things so that when they aren't around you, they're not just going to run and go eat everything. Um, they're going to go to what feels comfortable for them. Mm. So, you know, when when you remove the excuses, right, and they're not around you, but you can still prepare their meals for, for lunch, right? So if they're going to school, prepare their meal, if that's important to you. Uh, and mm. important to the child um, because you're right public school uh, and even private schools they don't have adequate uh, nutrition um, within their um, um, within the school system so they're feeding them any old thing and me and Herm are, are perfect examples of you know going to school and eating those uh, rectangular pizzas and you know <laughs> but um, you know it's it's what we had so can you get by with it yeah you can because you're young you're healthy uh, your body's just going to deal with whatever you give it, and you're still going to be relatively healthy. However, um, you know, uh, a giant oak starts from a small seed. So the habits that you have as an adult start when you're when you're in your uh, when you're in your school years. Very so, true. Very true. You know what? You know, you said something that was very key about the schools not necessarily providing the right food, you know, to our youth and low key, not even the right um, information period on a lot of things. Anyway, Big Herm, what you got, bro? Man, so 
So if I add vegetables to my meat lover's pizza, would okay, that stop it. No, just stop. You know, a little bit of mushroom. No, no, look, 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 stop. Look, hey, oh, yeah. I wish we could rewind this. <laughs> Try it again. I'm trying to find a way, you know what I mean? Listen, and so, save time at the same. Put vegetables on it. So, hey, listen, uh, just because you're eating healthy doesn't mean that you're that the food that you're eating is healthy, right? It doesn't have to be quote unquote health food as long as you're balancing your macros. So your fats, your carbs, your proteins. Oh, if you're cool. balancing those things out and you're getting the right ratios of those, then you can eat things like pizza and be just fine. You don't have to eat like a health nut. You just have to eat healthy things, right? So, you know, stay away from the foods that have all the uh, the, the chemistry set, you know, labels on the side of it, you know, as long as you do that or moderate or limit it as much as possible uh, and you try to get a healthy balance of those three things, uh, the fats, carbs, and proteins, it should be fine. See? Hit the bell for that one, Seth. But what I want to say, man, uh, for my last word, is I want to appreciate you for coming on and doing this show with us. You know what I'm saying? Because there was a lot of information that people probably didn't never, never first of all, they never knew and probably never even really thought about. You know, you really, you really dropped some knowledge for these folks online today, so tonight. And I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks a lot. No yes, problem. Yes, Glad did. to do it. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, so look, doctor, one more thing. We want to give you the floor, man. You got two minutes to give your, your, your you know, whatever, whatever you want people to know about you, any takeaways or anything. Uh, so the main takeaway that I have is, you know, um, if you're comfortable, you should be afraid. Boom. Whoa, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, what the hell? Where that come yeah. from? <laughs> now say that again. So if you're comfortable, you should be afraid. Because if you're comfortable, you're probably not growing. So mm. the thing that I would say is, you know, continue to grow, continue to strive for more, continue to learn on a continuous basis. If you're not learning something new each and every day, uh, you're probably remaining stagnant. Um, I've I've had the privilege of having some very, very um, important people in my life uh, that have pushed me uh, to get to where I am today. Um, and, you know, shout out to uh, Dr. Kelvin Wilson. Um, he's been my best friend since middle school. Uh, he's really pushed me um, to grow. Uh, he's currently a neurosurgeon uh, operating out of uh, Florida. So, um, you know, I, I've got some good people alongside me to help push me. So, you know, if you don't have somebody in your circle that's pushing you to do more, to be more, uh, you probably need need to start adding people to your inner circle. Ooh, hey, and listen, some of you might need to get rid of y'all. My goodness, <laughs> yo, Doc, man, you know what? I, I do appreciate you, and on behalf of the the Lions Den and the rest of the family, we do appreciate you coming in. And you, what I really do, what I really do like, is the fact that we talked about health. Outside, back to in, until ultimately back to our mindset. And that's very, very, very important. So thank you for taking the time, you know, with us and being on. And ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you all for joining us for another Lion's Den. Catch us next week. We're going to have a nice year finale. And uh, yeah, we're going to have a nice, nice, nice time. We're going to have a nice time. So if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe so you can see this anytime. And then 
Make sure you go to Roku or Amazon Fire so you can watch all of the crazy stuff we do. And I mean, it is crazy. And it's guess what? It's going to get even crazier, right on? That's what we do. We appreciate y'all. Y'all keep it easy. Take it greasy. Later. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Make sure to listen to the show on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, and Radio Public, where you can subscribe or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you like or dislike this episode, we'd appreciate your feedback on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Lionscast. Check out the book, The Black Collar Mindset, The Art of Strategic Thinking on Amazon or www.theblackcollarmindset.com. A manual to maneuver through life strategically by holding yourself accountable. Tune in next week for another episode of The Lion's Den with Seth.